So if you're watching this, it means I am not in the room with you. And um, I'm so gutted about that. But um, this is the best we can do. Uh, this week has been a complete roller coaster for us as a family. Um, we're hoping to go away. We're hoping to go away on our next weekend um, on a holiday that was postponed from last February half term. Um, and we will see what happens this week. When France opened their borders a few weeks ago, we were excited. Our holiday was on. It was go, go, go. The only thing that would prevent us going would be getting COVID. And uh, lo and behold, this week, um, yeah, we have had a positive test in our family. So that's a bit of rubbish. <laughs> um, but we, um, we trust in you, Jesus. All that we do is for him, for his glory and for his fame. And uh, we are holding on to that um, really strongly as we hold lightly to our plans and our hopes um, with a few tears mixed in the way. Um, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is our encourager and comforter. And uh, there's been so many moments this week where I have felt discouraged and uncomfortable. And it's only when I've sat in the presence of Jesus that I have regained some peace and strength just to uh, just to take each day as it comes uh, to not try and plan ahead or uh, be concerned but just literally be present in the moment and know that he is my strength and he uh, gives me peace uh, and me comfort eating won't help anything <laughs> his presence is the answer to it all um, we're taking a dip back into the book of Mark this morning um, so if you've got a Bible or a device with the Bible on it, then why don't you uh, get that out, get ready. Um, <clears throat> we, it's true, isn't it, that as we have been looking through the book of Mark, as I'm sure you read your Bibles regularly at home, uh, it's crammed full of uh, occasion upon occasion where Jesus uh, does miracles. He um, heals the sick. He sets the oppressed free time and time again. Uh, there are power encounters and uh, and I really want that in our time and in our day. I, I want to see that. I don't want COVID to be a thing. I don't want it to uh, curtail life anymore. I don't want it to make people poorly. I don't want it to make people die. I don't want people to live in fear of it. God, will you do something in our time and in our day? You know, I... I've known times as a child and as a teenager when, you know, I'd be in meetings not dissimilar from this. Obviously, I'm at home in my bedroom, um, but you are gathered. And and I've known times where we'd gather and, and God would, the spirit of God would turn up and there would be healings and there would be miracles regularly. And, uh, and they would be bold and obvious so that everybody could see everybody could see why not why not here why not now lord why you know what what are we doing something wrong have we missed the point you know where is there sin in me god where is there sin in us like lord what is stopping you the signs and the wonders that we long for now i don't long for the signs and wonders just for the sake of signs and wonders i long for them because they are a demonstration of the fact the kingdom of god is crashing in the kingdom of god is here within our grasp and those signs and wonders reveal that. And I want everybody to see and everybody to meet the king, the king of the kingdom. Uh, I've recently finished reading John Mark Coman's book, 
John Mark Comer's new book called Live No Lies. And he talks about resisting the world, the flesh and the devil. And he expands how we have been seduced by the world, the flesh and the devil. And our attention has been taken off of Jesus. It's worth a read if you're interested. Um, but reading it has caused me uh, to, to get back onto my knees uh, in Jesus's presence and to pray the prayer that the psalmist prays in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know me. Find any offensive way in me. Lord, reveal my heart. <laughs> Uh, and I love the way that it, uh, the Passion Translation um, says it. It says this, um, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything in me that is hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is a path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways the path that brings me back to you, the path that brings me back to you. And that's the place I've been in over the last well, while, really, um, but particularly this last week. So it's from that position of being on my knees in the presence of Jesus, asking uh, for him to come afresh, for there to be revival in our time and in our place now, today. Um, it's from that place that I've, I was reading Mark 10 and 11. Um, and I've just got a couple of thoughts to share with you this morning. Um, although there is so much in these two chapters, I just want to encourage you to go home and to read them, to read them devotionally, to read them with a study guide in your hand, to read them open heartedly, to say, God, will you speak, chew on them, kind of digest them, like just allow them to in allow these words to inspire you as well as change and challenge you. So we're going to uh, read Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 17, just through to 24, 25. There's more I could say, but I won't. Um, we're just going to sit with those few verses for the time being. It's an occasion where Jesus has a conversation with a young man, a rich young ruler, who we'll call rich for the sake of ease this morning. Um, so I'm going to read to you. Why don't you follow along? Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man came running up to him. Kneeling down in front of him, he cried out, Good teacher, what one thing am I required to do to gain eternal life? Jesus responded, Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. You already know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not cheat and honour your father and mother. The man, rich, said to Jesus, Teacher, I have carefully obeyed these laws since my youth. Jesus fixed his gaze upon the man with tender love and said to him, Yet there is still one thing you are lacking. Go, sell all you have and give the money to the poor. Then all of your treasure will be in heaven. After you've done this, come back and walk with me. Completely shocked by Jesus's answer, he turned and walked away very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus looked at the faces of his disciples and said, how hard it is for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom realm. The disciples were startled when they heard this. But Jesus again said to them, children, it's next to impossible for those who trust in their riches 
to find their way into God's kingdom realm. It's easier to stuff a rope through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy person to enter God's kingdom realm. Rich knew so much of the Jewish law and he had known, he knew that Jesus was good. Jesus was God and he was good and he ran to him. He knelt down before him to ask his advice. Apparently desperate for an answer. How often do we run and kneel before Jesus for, for advice or wisdom? Run to kneel in his presence to hear what he has to say about what we're living through? Do we pick up the Bible and ask that his word would speak to us, speak directly to our situation? And interestingly, we see in this encounter with Jesus that Rich heard Jesus's advice. He heard what he needed to do and he walked away heavy hearted and we guess ignored him ignored that advice. It didn't suit him. It was painful. It was going to cost him dearly. Are we ever like Rich? Do we read the Bible and hear that we are to love our enemies and pray for those that persecute us? But actually, that's really hard and it costs us quite a lot and actually it doesn't really suit me right now. So I'm just going to place that one here. You know, do we seek God's advice, seek to hear his speak, him speak to us? And then the answer doesn't sit very well with us. So we just kind of ignore it. Or maybe we decide we'll go with our opinion first. And then if that falls apart, we'll listen to what God has to say. Rich's question, what am I required to do to gain eternal life? Totally misses the point. He's obeyed the law, but he's totally missed who Jesus was and that it was all about him. Because the rich and ruler had made it all about himself. It's all about me. I am at the centre. What must I do to gain eternal life? You know, I've lived by all these rules. I've been a good person. And I find Jesus's answer absolutely fascinating. Because yes, he quotes some of the Ten Commandments. And probably Rich was standing there going, yes, 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 tick, tick, tick. I've done all of those things. You know, aren't I a good boy? But actually, Jesus misses out uh, part of the Ten Commandments, Commandments 1 to 4 and number 10, that talk all about our heart's response, talk all about like what is really going on with inside of us. Do we put God first? Does he put God first? Does he have any idols other than God? Does he take God's name in vain? Does he keep Sabbath? Is he covetous? You know, Rich has jumped through all these different hoops and he thinks that will gain him eternal life, which is life lived under God's rule and reign now and forever. Jesus is challenging his heart by missing those things out, which is why he tells him or asks him, invites him to go and sell all he has. Because ultimately that reveals what's going on in his heart. His heart can't respond to Jesus with a yes. It appears that God isn't really first for him. Money is his idol. He probably never took a Sabbath because he was working hard to earn all that money. And I guess he was probably jealous of other people and coveted more and more. His heart wasn't 
saying yes to God. And I love the fact that this story is talked about both in Mark and in Luke. And, um, and in Luke's gospel, forgive me for jumping to a different gospel, but in Luke's gospel, he records it in chapter 18. And almost immediately afterwards, we, he records the story of Zacchaeus. And I just want to contrast these two men for a moment. Um, the one thing that these men have in common is that they're both extremely rich. So I'm going to read to you Luke's account of when Jesus met a man called Zacchaeus. So feel free to turn with me to it. It's in Luke chapter 19. In the city of Jericho, there lived a very wealthy man named Zacchaeus who was a supervisor over all the tax collectors. As Jesus made his way through the city, Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus. He kept trying to get a look at him, but the crowd around Jesus was massive. Zacchaeus was a very short man and he couldn't see over the heads of all the people. So he ran on ahead of everyone and climbed up a blossoming fig tree so that he could get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. When Jesus got to that place, he looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, hurry on down, for I am appointed to stay at your house today. So he scurried down the tree and came face to face with Jesus. As Jesus left to go with Zacchaeus, many in the crowd complained. Look at this. Of all the people to have dinner with, he's going to eat in the house of a crook. Zacchaeus joyfully welcomed Jesus and was amazed over his gracious visit to his home. Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, half of all that I own I will give to the poor. And Lord, if I have cheated anyone, I promise to pay back four times as much as I stole. Jesus said to him, this shows that today life has come to you in your household, for you are a true son of Abraham. The son of man has come to seek out and to give life to those who are lost. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Not only that, he was a supervisor of tax collectors, synonymous with being corrupt and untrustworthy. But he heard about Jesus and he was on a mission to glimpse him. Jesus's reputation and fame had spread and Zacchaeus didn't want to miss out. He had to have a look. He just wanted to see Jesus in the distance. And being a short man, he climbed a tree. Genius. He climbed a tree so he could see over the crowds and catch that glimpse. And to his shock and amazement, and the shock and the amazement of all of the crowds and the disciples, Jesus picked him out and invited himself round to, di to dinner. I love the way that it says he scurried down the tree and came face to face with Jesus. The man that he wanted to catch a glimpse of from a distance, he was now standing face to face with. Okay, so Zacchaeus didn't run up to Jesus and kneel down like Rich did, but he ran ahead to climb a tree just so that he could see him. Zacchaeus wasn't asking Jesus for advice. He was probably observing from a distance, knowing full well that his life wasn't one of exemplary behaviour or, or of good ethics and morals. He was, even though he was rich because of it. Yet Jesus picked him out and his response was one of amazement and joy. And he stood in front of Jesus face to face 
and he repented. That's a word that the Bible uses. It's a military term that means he did a complete about turn. His life was heading in one direction. He met Jesus and turned in completely the opposite direction, promising to give away half of his wealth and to pay back four times anything he'd taken dishonestly. Zacchaeus knew that this was about salvation, that this was about gaining eternal life, meeting Jesus face to face. Nothing to do with what he was doing, not a checklist, not about obeying the law. It was all about Jesus. Rich, it appears, could tick a to-do list and earn his salvation. At least that's what he thought. What can I do to gain eternal life, he asked. Zacchaeus didn't even get to a question. He encountered Jesus face to face and his heart responded. He wanted to make right his misdeeds and Jesus affirms him and his household. When we come face to face with Jesus, it's never about a tick list. It's never about what we have or haven't done. It's all about him. It's all about who he is and what he has done. And I suppose the only thing we can do to gain eternal life by answering uh, the richest question is to allow our hearts to respond to that face-to-face -face encounter, to that encounter uh, knowing who Jesus is and what he has done. You know, Jesus, God with skin and bones, walked on our earth, walked on earth, lived, showed us the way, then died and rose again, so that we could have an intimate, life-changing relationship with him. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is God and he makes a way through his life, death and resurrection that we can experience life in all of its fullness. Yes, the only thing we have to do is respond. Acknowledge that this is true and live like it but it is all a gift. We don't earn this. It's a gift of grace, which means undeserved favour. It's a gift given freely. It costs Jesus everything, but it, we don't have to earn it. And it's a gift of mercy. It's not getting what we deserve. And our role, our tick list, is to allow our hearts to respond. Let's learn a lesson from Rich. You know, let's acknowledge who Jesus is. He did that. He ran to him and knelt down. He acknowledged that Jesus was good and only God is good, as Jesus points out. He knows who Jesus is. Let's ask him for wisdom and guidance as we walk day by day with him. But let's not ignore his, his answers and his responses to us. You know, we read about loving our neighbours and our enemies people that annoy us and wind us up. We read about Jesus being the servant king and he's our example. When life feels hard, are we prepared to serve and love others? You know, when we'd, is, will we love the unlovely? Will we apologise when we're in the wrong? Will we give, give of our money and our time of our, and of our energy? So maybe my question this morning is, how is your heart? What idols are in place of God? Are we a bit like rich? Where trusting in our riches, trusting in our money, you know, whether we have lots or we have little, money can still be an idol. 
Maybe it's popularity, maybe it's power, maybe it's identity, maybe it's technology. What are the idols that we've placed in our lives? What are you coveting? What are we coveting? You know, probably in secret. What are we jealous of? What do we want that we don't have? Remember the song we sang in a couple of um, all-in services, you know, God, no, man, man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. God sees our heart, you know, in this room now, you, you can look around and you don't know what's going on in people's hearts unless they're vulnerable with you. But God sees everything. Jesus sees the, re sees the real state of our hearts. A life transformed, an eternal life with eternal significance isn't earned through what we do or don't do. It's all about who Jesus is and what he did. So we can stand in the presence of God the Father, God the Son and the Holy Spirit and we can do business with him. How is your heart this morning? Let's be like Zacchaeus rather than rich. Why don't you stand and just wait on the presence of God now?